All right, last session. You ready? You got room for more? <laughs> uh, I want to start by um, by reading. I came across this post on Instagram a couple weeks ago by a famous person that I follow. And it's a poem that she posted. And I want to read it to you guys. The poem says, it's called Good Bones. And it says, life is short, though I keep this from my children. Life is short, and I've shortened mine in a thousand delicious, ill-advised ways. <laughs> a thousand deliciously ill-advised ways I'll keep from my children. The world is at least 50% terrible, and that's a conservative estimate, though I keep this from my children. For every bird, there is a stone thrown at a bird. For every loved child, a child broken, bagged, and sunk in a lake. Life is short, and the world is at least half terrible. And for every kind of stranger, there is one who would break you, though I keep this from my children. I'm trying to sell them on the world. Any decent realtor walking through a real crap hole, except she says something else, <laughs> chirps on about good bones. This place could be beautiful, right? You could make this place beautiful. And then in the comments, she wrote, I've posted this, po this poem before, but I just keep coming back to it. And I was reading it just now and thought I would share. All is not lost. We can make this place beautiful. We can. And I read that and realized, you know, you kind of ever enter into someone else's world and you read a sort of their best, like, kind of shot at it. And it's like, whoa, like, that's it? That's like, that's the best mandra mantra, you know, that could be dredged up. It's like, we could try a little harder to make it a little more beautiful. It's so depressing, you know? I read that, and there's, there's a good amount of truth in that poem, right? It's just missing this huge piece of the story, which is called a savior. Like, we need to be saved from this, you know? And it's like, there's no hope. There's like this horrible, painful, tiny trajectory of maybe if a few people who care this much try to make the world a little bit more beautiful, it will take, I don't know, one million hundred thousand years <laughs> to like get back to what it should be. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, the world does have good bones, but it needs more than like our best effort, you know? Like it's too far gone for our best effort. Like surely that can't be our hope. Surely that can't be the thing that we're banking on, right? And it just brings us to my favorite passage in Proverbs 31 which is verse 23. It's one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh <laughs> at the days to come. Another translation says, she looks to the future and laughs. What? Do you see anyone in this world looking to the future and laughing? I mean, things are bad, guys. This place is broken. I want to shut off all the devices because I can't take it anymore. I mean, just in one day, like...
we have a crazy mass shooting in California and there's like three fires that are ravaging our state. Like, what? I mean, just political brokenness, racial brokenness, church brokenness, sexual brokenness. I mean, if you, if you tried to bottle up the pain in like one children's hospital or one abusive home, I mean, and then you times that out in every city, in every state, in every country across the world, like, whoa. Like, we're really up against it, guys. <laughs> and, and you can't just kind of like ignore it or pretend it away. It is there. And that's why I think this scripture is one of the most profound things I've ever read. Because how can a woman in the current state of things, if the world is half terrible, and that's maybe being generous, how could you do anything but look to the future and just want to die, weep? I don't know, just think things are just getting increasingly worse. So how can someone do that? And like, I love laughter. I'm a joyful person. I like laughing. Just regular laughing's real good with me. A good joke, a funny story, someone tripping and falling. <laughs> I'll take it all. But like, this laugh, this laugh is, it's not that kind of laugh. This laugh is like the best kind of spiritual warfare I've ever seen. This laugh like makes the devil himself tremble in his boots. That's the kind of laugh we're talking about here. Now, who can laugh like that? Only only a person who has hope. And I'm not talking about some frail, kind of shallow hope that we, some kind of positive thinking or, you know, something that we kind of use to try to fall asleep at night. I'm talking about a deep, unbreakable, resounding, war-crying crazy, wild hope that is so big it will one day swallow up all the pain I just mentioned to you. Like, that's what we're doing here. If that's what we're not, if, if we're not doing that here, then we might as well go home. <laughs> I mean, right? We've got to have something big enough to face the huge weight of brokenness in front of us and I believe that she has this kind of hope hope is I feel like hope just you know the Lord tells us that the, at the end of all things faith hope and love will remain they're not like niceties or good ideas they are like solid remaining forever for eternity things that we will live with that are like wings to our lives. And I think hope gets passed over a little bit. Do you guys feel this way? Yes. Hope is a confident expectation that goodness is coming. Do you believe that? Goodness is coming. Goodness is coming. The good of God is coming. It's coming today. It's coming tomorrow. It's coming increasingly. 
it's coming to the point that it will take over everything. Goodness is coming. Goodness is coming. <laughs> I just want to like yell it until <laughs> it like, <laughs> I don't know, grabs a hold of our hearts. Goodness is coming. Goodness is on the way. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. God is coming. <laughs> Here. Sometimes our, our like theology of heaven gets a little weird. And I think then it's hard for us to live into the hope of it because it's like, this is all going to end. We're going to leave everything that we have ever loved and longed for here. That will all be gone. And then we're going to go some other place that we hardly know anything about where we'll sing songs 24-7 a day. 24 /7 a day. No, the city of God is going to come here. And God's going to live with us. And we're going to be his people in the flesh. And he himself will be with us. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old crappy order, the one that's broken and not working of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making, this is like the climactic promise of the whole entire Bible. He who's sitting on the throne says, I'm making all things new. I will make everything new. <laughs> then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all of this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Later on in 22, it's, it says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. The healing of the nations. Can you just let your heart go there for a second? What does that look like when all the nations are healed? No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Jesus says, behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. Can I read a couple more? Yeah. Just to wet your whistle? <laughs> Joseph, will you grab me my phone real quick? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. imaginations going here. Isaiah 25 in the message. God, you are my God. I celebrate you. I praise you. 
You've done your share of miracle wonders, well thought out plans, solid and sure. Here you've reduced the city to rubble, the strong city to a pile of stones. The enemy big city is a non-city, never to be a city again. Superpowers will see it and honor you. Brutal oppressors bow in worshipful, worshipful reverence. They'll see that you take care of the poor, that you take care of poor people in trouble, provide a warm, dry place in bad weather, provide a cool place when it's hot. Brutal oppressors are like a winter blizzard and vicious foreigners like high noon in the desert. But you, shelter from the storm and shade from the sun, shut the mouths of the big mouth bullies. But here on this mountain, God of angel armies will throw a feast for all the people of the world, a feast of the finest foods, a feast with vintage wines, a feast of seven courses, a feast lavish with gourmet desserts. And here on this mountain, God will banish the pall of doom hanging over all peoples, the shadow of doom darkening all nations. Yes, he'll banish death forever, and God will wipe the tears from every face. He'll remove every sign of disgrace from his people wherever they are. Yes, God says so. Also at this time, people will say, will say, look at what's happened. This is our God. We waited for him and he showed up and saved us. This God, the one we waited for. Let's celebrate, sing the joys of his salvation. God's hands rests on his mountain. Isaiah 35. Wilderness and desert will sing joyfully. The badlands will celebrate and flower like the crocus in spring bursting into blossom, a symphony of song and color. Mountain glories of Lebanon, a gift. Awesome Carmel, stunning Sharon, gifts. God's resplendent glory fully on display. God awesome, God majestic. Energize the limp hands, strengthen the rubbery knees, tell fearful souls, courage, take heart. God is here, right here, on his way to put things right and redress all wrongs. He's on his way, he'll save you. Blind eyes will be opened, deaf ears unstopped. Lame men and women will leap like deer. The voiceless break into song. Springs of water will burst out in the wilderness. Streams flow in the desert. Hot sands will become a cool oasis. Thirsty ground, a splashing fountain. Even lily jackals will have a drink of water and barren grasslands flourish richly. There will be a highway called the Holy Road. No one rude or rebellious is permitted on this road. <laughs> it's for God's people exclusively. Impossible to get lost on this road. Not even fools can get lost on it. No lions on this road. No dangerous wild animals. Nothing and no one dangerous or threatening. Only the redeemed will walk on it. The people God has ransomed will come back on this road. They'll sing as they make their way home to Zion. Unfading halos of joy encircling their heads. Welcomed home. I'm sorry. Welcomed home. It's a welcome home parade. <laughs> Can you see it? Can you imagine how good it's going to be? Welcomed home with gifts of joy and gladness as all sorrows and sighs cease forever. <laughs> that is what we're hoping for. <laughs> that is the great promise we're looking forward to. That is a hope big enough to swallow up everything we face in this world. And I want to tell you a little secret. Your heart was made for the kingdom of God. The only habitat in which your heart thrives and flourishes is in the kingdom of God. In Matthew 19... Thank you. Can I have like two more? <laughs> I need a mop. Matthew 19, Jesus says, truly I tell you at the renewal of all things, or another translation says, in the new world. When the son of man sits on his throne, we were made for the renewal of all things. <laughs> 
hearts were made for this. We were made for it originally. And we're in, ma- in waiting, made for it again. That's the promise from Jesus. That everything will be made right. That everything that has been lost will be restored. Later in this passage, passage Jesus says, anyone who's lost anything for my sake, precious people or homes or whatever, will get it back 100-fold when everything is made new. <laughs> there is good coming. There's good coming. There's good on the way. <laughs> there's good bones. And there's a new house that's going to be built. Our Father's building it. <laughs> and there's rooms in it for us. And we have a better hope than we can make this place a little more beautiful, right? No. There's healing on the horizon. There's a savior holding himself back, waiting for the time that he'll come. And we're his bride, and we're supposed to live with that groan in our hearts. Maranatha, come quickly, Lord. We need you to save us here. The ship's going down, and you're the only answer. I was thinking... I was thinking, I don't know, maybe a year ago, I was driving down the road and I had this silly thought, but it just feels kind of profound to me. It's like, all right, Jesus is God. Like, we love superheroes. You know, you play that game, like, what superpower would you choose if you could choose a superpower? Well, what superpower did God choose? He could do anything he wants, right? He could, like, fly and blow things up. He could climb up walls. He could, he could have any, he could do anything he wants. And I thought, oh, well, the superpower Jesus chose was to heal people who were sick and to deliver people who were demonically oppressed and bound and beaten down to to like create a road for women to step out of their shame publicly to restore dignity to sinners this is like the way god strategically and purposefully chose to reveal his power was by walking through our world, making everything right that he touched, like bringing wholeness to broken bodies, broken minds, broken hearts. (laughs) I just kind of feel so blown away that that's what he chose. Isn't it so beautiful? He could have done it in other ways, but he didn't. And the whole time he went along making whole all of our broken bits. (laughs) He kept saying things like, the kingdom of God is here. Like this that we just read about, this like glorious future that we have with God where everything horrible and painful that we hate will be no more. And all that will be left is joy and love and beauty and intimacy and hope. I was like, I had this revelation. We're still going to live with hope in heaven. I think about hope being like, well, this isn't right, so I'm hoping for this. Or this would be better, so I'm hoping for a new job, you know? If hope is the anticipation of good, We will wake up. If we even sleep anymore, maybe we don't need to, but we'll we'll start every day in heaven with total 100% full-bodied hope. (laughs) 
because we will know without any need for convincing that good is coming <laughs> every day forever hope's eternal you were made for the recovery of everything you were made for the healing of everything and this is why <clears throat> we struggle with anger and addiction and all these things because we're living in this tension we're in our bones, we know, and sometimes we don't even want to go there or look at it because it feels too painful sometimes. We were made for the renewal of all things. And that's why none of this brokenness ever feels right or okay. Yeah. Our imagination so magnifies the present because we're continually thinking about it and so reduces eternity because we do not think about it that we turn eternity into nothing and nothing into eternity. This is a dangerous game. It's Blaise Pascal. Can we play a game together? I just think that our imaginations are a gift from God and they're powerful and he's given them to us for a reason. So I want to use them right now together. Will everyone close their eyes? We were made for the renewal of all things. We were made for eternity. We were made to live in a world in full-faced relationship with God, in full-bodied hope, with everything whole. And all of the good that we enjoy in this life. Everything delightful or delicious or satisfying or fun or joyful or pleasant, like the sun on your face or the sound of the ocean or a bite of some really good cheese is all first fruits. It's all a foretaste of the renewal of all things. And it's all supposed to operate as a reminder of the kingdom come, the kingdom that Jesus came announcing to us was here, available to us right now, but also one day would come. So I just wanna take a moment and use our imaginations and I just want you to um, just say out loud some of your favorite first fruits. What are your, some of your favorite things about this life? The beautiful parts that God's given us to enjoy. Go ahead. No, like one at a time out loud so everyone can hear it. So we can like delight in it together. You know what I mean? Father, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for all the good. Thank you for all the beautiful, wonderful, delightful, satisfying, pleasant, delicious <laughs> things that you 
dreamt up and gave to us to enjoy. Lord, may they forever be a delight to us and also a foretaste. Lord, may you always use these favorite things of ours to remind us of your kingdom that is to come, of the renewal of all things. Now in the same way, I want you to use your imagination to imagine everything that you love and care about made new. And I want you to speak out those things that you hope for. Yes. Restoration of relationships. Yeah. No more cancer. Yeah. Father, we recognize that all the things that we long for to be made right and whole, those longings are there because that's what you're going to do. We just let ourselves imagine (laughs) when you will come and make our bodies totally whole. Make our minds completely well. Set every relationship right. Or would you come? and ignite our hearts in a fresh way for your kingdom. Would you come and infuse our bones with a full-bodied hope? Ecclesiastes 3 says, when God made his promise to Abraham, he backed it to the hilt, putting his own reputation on the line. He said, I promise that I will bless you with everything I have. Bless and bless and bless. Abraham stuck it out and got everything that had been promised to him. When people make promises, they guarantee them by some appeal to some authority above above them so that if there's a question that they'll make good on the promise, the authority will back them up. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word, a rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. We who have run to God for our very lives 
have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline, reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God, where Jesus, running on ahead of us, has taken up his permanent post as high, high priest for us. Let's grab on to that hope with both hands and never let go. It is an unbreakable lifeline reaching all the way to Jesus, who is our high priest in heaven, interceding on our behalf, that we would get it, that we would be awake to the story that we're living in. So we have a broken world and we have this crazy thing we're hoping for. And in the meantime, we live in attention until it's fulfilled. And I see that tension as um, like this passage in Romans 8. Romans 8. Uh, starting in 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. The glory is going to be better <laughs> than all the badness. <laughs> Can you see it? Can you imagine it? <laughs> for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. The actual earth that we're walking on is in bondage, is groaning to be set free from this bondage. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons and the redemption of our bodies. This great, unbreakable, beautiful hope. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But we hope for what we do not see, and we wait for it patiently. There's another passage that refers to hope as an anchor for the soul. And again, this is the kind of hope that's talking about. This, I hope tomorrow will be better, is no anchor for your soul. This, God coming back and renewing everything is an anchor for our souls in these crazy times we're living in. And we need an anchor. And just right here, I want to add, as it's reading, like this picture of like pregnancy. And I think the other picture would be a picture of war, you know, which the Bible speaks to so often as us in a war, in a battle, fighting an enemy. We need to put our armor on because we're in a war. In both of these scenarios, in pregnancy, there is an expanding and an unpleasantness and an uncomfortability. It's not even a word. Um, there is, yeah, you are taken over with this thing. And I don't know, some of us have better pregnancies than others, but after five, I was ready to never do that again. <laughs> But you, you are succumbing to this happening inside of you because of the hope of life that is going to come out of you at the end. And that hope of life pulls you through the pain of pregnancy and labor. And this is what God's saying to us. The whole world is pregnant and groaning, and we ourselves are pregnant and groaning in pains of labor, waiting for the life of God to be delivered to this earth. Yes. Yes. 
And I think sometimes we forget, not that we're in labor, I think we know we're pregnant. Do you get what I'm putting down? Like this tension that we live in of carrying something that is not yet and you know, the groaning of being stuck. I mean, could you imagine perpetual labor with, with no baby ever coming out? <laughs> I think sometimes we forget the hope piece. We're in labor, we're pregnant and in labor, and we're like, ah, why am I in labor, you know? And we've lost sight of the life that we're hoping for. And it's not carrying us through the pain of pregnancy and labor. And I think simultaneously as soldiers, as pregnant warriors, that's how I'm seeing us this morning, pregnant warriors, um, we're in battle and we know we're in battle. You don't have to live half a day to like feel in your guts that you're in a war, you know? But spoiler alert, we're maybe the only people ever who have been told that we already win the war in the end. How do soldiers fight differently when they already know that they win the war in the end? Even if they're some squirrely, ragtag, tiny little remnant against some giant army which happened a bunch of times, you know? Armies fight different when they know that they have already won. I started, I have my own two book recommendations. I was not asked to give book recommendations. (laughs) And they're not on the book table, but it's okay. Um, I started reading these little children's books with my girls. It's called The Green Ember, the Green Ember series. I highly recommend it if you um, are looking for books for your kids. You know, I don't know. I've been, I started with my eight-year-old, my eight to 13-year-old. Um, it's a three-part Series and um, I didn't know anything about it. I just started reading this reading this this book, and um, the story is there's these rabbits. There's there's this colony of rabbits, and then there's these wolves and birds of prey. And the wolves and birds of prey are the enemies, and the rabbits are the good guys. And there's this long-standing war that's been going on. And the rabbits used to live in this place called the Great Wood. And it was so beautiful and wonderful. And all kinds of goodness went on there. And there was peace in the land and singing and songs. And it was like, uh, what's that word when you look back on an era? And it, it was the golden age. Thank you. It was the golden age of rabbits. (laughs) And they had this incredible leader at that time, King Jupiter. And the the mark of like his authority was this stone called the green ember. And if you had that stone, then you were king. And this horrible war happens and the great wood is completely destroyed, burned to the ground. Um, Tons of rabbits are carried off into captivity. And there's this remnant that is still fighting against this small remnant of small rabbits that are still fighting against these terrible wolves and horrible, vicious birds. And I'm reading this book and I start to just become completely undone because they have these lines that they say to one another. When they're trying to encourage one another, they say, all will be well in the mended wood. 
They're fighting for the mended wood. They're believing that the great wood will one day be restored and they'll have an, a golden age again. All will be well. All will be well in the mended wood. And when things go bad, someone dies or someone's hurt or something, they say, it will not be so in the mended wood. It will not be so. <laughs> they also have this thing they say to one another. <laughs> the green ember burns. The seed of the new world smolders. Healing is on the horizon. But a fire comes first. Bear the flame. Bear the flame. I got here yesterday and saw that graphic. We had not talked. And I knew I was going to be telling you guys, bear the flame! <laughs> I love God. He's so good. There's a quote from the first book that says, I'm afraid. They're, they're in a, they're, it's like going into battle. And one of the rabbits says, I'm afraid, but I keep loving what's on the other side of this fight, and that will have to make me brave. And when they go into battle together, the warriors say to one another, (laughs) my place beside you, my blood for yours, till the green ember rises or the end of the world. And I... And I feel like we've lost a bit of this. I love liturgy. I love some of these old traditions and the call and response things because I think we need rousing refrains. I think we need these type of anthems that we speak to one another's hearts. All will be well in the mended world or it will not be so in the mended world. And we remind each other that we are this small remnant army, that we are this pregnant lady who's been pregnant for a long time and she's ready for the baby to come out. But one day the baby will come out and life will come and our victor will arise with healing in his wings and he'll heal the nations and we'll see Jesus on the white horse with the faithful and true tattoo and his sword will be taken to every enemy, every war will be won, everything will be made right forever and there will be no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. Sorrow and sighing will flee away forever. And all that will remain is right relationship with God and one another and joy and love and peace and hope and goodness. And the blanket will be lifted off and the, the, you know, the foggy mirror will clear and we will be able to see God, ourselves, one another, perfectly right. No more strife or conflict or confusion or violence or fear of violence. No more misunderstandings. (laughs) No more miscommunication. Can I get an amen? Like all these things that are broken that we have to deal with all day long will be forever done. And all of our hopes will come true. I mean, this, this hope, this is a robust hope. And this should be our first hope, our most poignant hope. I mean, we got to stay tapped into this, girls. And that happens through worship. And that happens through steeping our life in the word of God. Because you stop doing those things and you start forgetting about what God's doing and what God's going to do, and you lose heart. And then you're pregnant, and you're in the middle of a battle, and you have no hope. The kingdom come is the answer to our wildest dreams. Like every longing, really, that we have in our heart. All the deepest longings 
are for this. We were made, our hearts were made for the kingdom of God. (sighs) My last book recommendation. This is a book called Every Moment Holy. And it is a book of prayers. They are like current liturgies that this lovely man wrote. I love this book with all of my heart. I geek out on things like this, but just to wet your whistle, it's the second time I've said that today. (laughs) There are prayers for laundering, for domestic days, for arriving at the ocean, for consuming media, for beginning a good book, for a purposeful gathering, or for the ritual of morning coffee. There are prayers in here for a million things. And they're very beautiful. I'm going to read one to us. Actually, before I read it, a switch here. Oh, I was praying for you guys before coming, and I got a picture of um, the story from um, the Bible with Elijah and the widow, um, the one whose husband had been a man of God and he had died, and she had nothing left, and she had debt, and they were going to take her two sons and put them in slavery, and. She comes to Elijah and is appealing to him to do something. Um, And he says, what do you have? And she says, I have like this tiny bit of oil. That's all I have to my name. And he says, go get every empty container you have and bring it into the house and get your oil and start to pour it out. And, And at the time that this picture kind of came to my mind, I just felt like it was for someone or someones or maybe for all of us who have suffered loss, have suffered death, be the death of a person or the death of a dream or just there's been something that's happened and you're in a place where you feel like you have nothing left. Maybe you're without hope. And I just loved that the instruction from the prophet was like, go get every empty thing you own. Like bring everything that's empty. It's like, I have nothing, I have nothing left. Okay, great. Bring your empty self. And just whatever, whatever tiny amount of oil you have left, just start to pour it out. And every container that she brought was filled to the full. And she sold it and her family was saved. Will you stand with me? Lord, we need a fresh infusion of your hope into our bones so that we can be, so that we can laugh with this Proverbs 31 woman, so that we can look to the future and laugh. Lord, we bring our losses, our deaths, our setbacks our holdups, our hangups to you and our need. And we bring every bit of us that is empty, needing filling. And we bring whatever oil we've got. And we just say, Lord, would you, would you pour out hope into us? Would you fill us with fresh hope, God? Would you seep this robust, unbreakable, beautiful hope we have for the things you have promised to us, for the renewal of all things deep into our bones, into the fabric of our being, that we could not enjoy something good without thinking about the great that's coming. And we couldn't suffer something hard without thinking it will not be so in the mended world. All will be well in the mended world. 
This is a, a liturgy for feasting with friends. To gather joyfully indeed is a serious affair, for feasting and all enjoyments gratefully taken are, at their heart, acts of war. In celebrating this feast, we declare that evil and death, suffering and loss, sorrow and tears will not have the final word. But the joy of fellowship and welcome and comfort of friends, new and old, and the celebration of these blessings of food and drink and conversation and laughter are the true evidences of things eternal and are the first fruits of that great glad joy that is to come that will be unending. So let our feast this day be joined to those sure victories secured by Christ. Let it be to us now a delight and a glad foretaste of his eternal kingdom. May this shared meal and our pleasure in it bear witness against the artifice and deceptions of the prince of darkness that would blind this world to hope. May it strike at the root of the lie that would drain life of meaning and the world of joy and suffering of redemption. May this our feast fall like a great hammer blow against that brittle night, shattering the gloom, reawakening our hearts, stirring our imaginations, focusing our vision on the kingdom of heaven that is to come, on the kingdom that is promised, on the kingdom that is already indeed among us. For the resurrection of all good things has already joyfully begun. May this feast be an echo of that great supper of the Lamb, a foreshadowing of the great celebration that awaits the children of God. Where two or more of us are gathered, O Lord, there you have promised to be. And here we are, and so here are you. Take joy, O King, in this our feast. Take joy. All will be well. All will be well. Nothing good and right and true will be lost forever. All good things will be restored. Feast and be reminded. Take joy, little flock. Take joy. Let the battle be joined. Join the battle. He's won, you know. Now you who are loved by the Father, prepare your hearts and give yourselves wholly to this celebration of joy, to the glad company of saints, to the comforting fellowship of the Spirit, and to the abiding presence of Christ, who is seated among us, both as our host and as our honored guest, and still yet as our conquering King. Amen. 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 Um, so now what we're going to do is we want to bless you. This whole thing of Proverbs 31 was a blessing, remember? It was a song meant to be spoken over wonderful women at feasts and Sabbaths, meant to um, call out the good, meant to call out the God inside of each one of us. And there's something really profound about blessing. God's made us for blessing, to give and receive blessing. You can see what happens to a life that goes without blessing. So we wanted to close our time by blessing you with the same blessing in Proverbs 31. The little segment ends by them saying, you know, stand her up to her feet and say this about her. So what's going to happen is there's going to be a team of us up here that are ready to bless you and pray for you. And you're going to come up one by one just as, as um, space opens up. If a space opens up, just come forward. Ready to receive a blessing from your father. Your father wants to bless you. Ashet Kail, Woman of valor. All will be well. Bear the flame. We have a gift for you. 
It is our version of a medal. <laughs> we couldn't find medals, so, which is what we wanted to give you was a medal. <laughs> so we made a necklace for you. I did not. Some people made necklaces for you. Thank you so much. And they say valor on them. We're going to put the necklace on you. It's your medal of valor. And we're going to read this biblical blessing over you and bless you.